0: Oh, good morning again. So I don't know if you have realized or not, but as we continue on in this psalm series, that one thing that you will see throughout the psalms over and over and over again is that the psalmist will always come back to a high view of Scripture, We see that in places like Psalm chapter 1, which we talked about during our first week in this series, and places like Psalms 119, and we'll see it this morning in Psalms 19. And we too, as a church, have this incredibly high view of Scripture. We see the Bible as literally God's words to us. But as we come to Psalm 19 this morning, there is a very real danger here for us. Because here's the thing. Psalms 19 is is all about the beauty of God's word. And it is super easy for us to sit in this room this morning and, and nod in agreement with everything that we are about to hear, specifically that God's word is this incredibly beautiful gift to us but if the statistics are to be believed actually engaging with God's word on a on a consistent basis when we are not here in this building it's a challenge for many of us if not most of us so i want to call out right now at the top of our conversation that if this morning is nothing more than you and I playing the church game and simply nodding our heads in agreement that yeah, God's word is awesome, yet we leave this room failing to see our very real need to find ways to meaningfully connect with God's word in our everyday lives on a consistent basis, then we will have just wasted these next 25 minutes. Is that fair? So this is the, the statistic. And this is, this is coming from a survey conducted from people who are plugged into church. Denise, if I can have that. It says this. When asked how often they read the Bible outside of church, a third, 34%, say rarely or never. Just over a quarter, 27% read read it at least a few times a week. Another 27% read it at least once a month. Only 11% read the Bible daily. Only 3% say they do in-depth Bible study, which is engaging with God's Word in a more meaningful way on a daily basis. More than half, 53%, rarely or never study the Bible. Most didn't seem to feel bad about skipping the Bible reading. And that was conducted by LifeWay Research in November of 2013. And so if these statistics are even remotely true for us in this room, can you see that that is a huge disconnect for us? That we will sit here and say that these are the words of the creator king of the universe to us, but we can't find the time or the space or the energy to dig into these words. Can you see the disconnect that's there? But even beyond the statistic, I know this same disconnect from my own personal experience. In my own life, I I have to to be intentional with my own time in Scripture, and there are plenty of days where I, I have to push myself to get time with God's Word. Because there are about a hundred different things that I could be doing in that time that I'm trying to get quiet with God in his word to hear him speaking to me. Because my mind is going in a hundred different directions because I'm not sure that I'm going to like what I see coming out of God's word when I read about myself. And I know that God, through his scripture, will always call me to surrender, will always call me to give up control to him. And I don't always like that. That can be a really hard thing to do. And so if, if time in scripture can be hard for me so that I have to be purposeful and intentional and there are days that I have to force myself into God's word, And I'm the pastor, I know that it can be hard for you too. So that gives us something to talk about this morning. This morning, the thing that I do not want to do is this I do not want to guilt trip you. Because I, growing up in church, I've carried that guilt of rolling into church and talking about the, the very same things that we'll talk about this morning the importance of scripture in our everyday lives and walking out with this low-level guilt over my lack of time in the Bible. I do not want to do that to you this morning, but what I do want to do is I want to give you hope. To point you to the renewal, the wisdom, The joy that can be yours should you choose to get intentional with God's word. And I want to take you in that direction because this is exactly where Psalms 19 goes. But we are getting ahead of ourselves, so let me slow down a little bit. This morning, Carly Note is going to come and Carly is going to pray over us and read Psalm 19 for us. And as Carly comes and reads, I want you to pay close attention to these words to look for how our psalmist, in this case David, how David describes God's word. Because that is going to be super important for us this morning. Carly.
1: Let us pray. Um, Dear Jesus, this morning as we sit here and listen to Brian talk, we would love if you would be able to open um, our minds to him and that you will fill us with whatever you want us to hear from you. Um, We hope that you are able to enter your word into us and um, we will respond to whatever you want to surrender. Um, I'm going to read, amen, (laughs) I'm going to read Psalms 19 now. Um, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. They voice it. <laughs> their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth, and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for loving living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even the honey dripping from the comb. They are warning to your servant and great reward for those who obey him. How can I, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me of these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
0: Thank you, Carly. So in order for us to understand what Carly just read to us, I think we can, we can break down Psalms 19 like this. Verses 1 through 6, God speaks to us through creation. Verses 7 through 11, God speaks through his word. Verses 12 and then 13, this question that that David asks, how can I know? And then verse 14, this desire that David expresses, may the words of my mouth. So in in verses 1 through 6, David insists that the creation tells us about the creator. That the, the design demands a designer. That there is a God. Because if you refuse to acknowledge a designer, the thing that you're left is with randomness, with random probability. Yet by by one study's calculation, and this is from an evolutionary scientist, the mathematical probability for the random formation of, of the smallest likely living organism is this number. I don't even know what this is. It's so big. It's literally one chance in 10 followed by 340 million zeros. That random processes generated a simple living organism that evolved into you and I and what we see out the window. I'm convinced that it actually takes more faith to not believe in a creator than it does to believe in the creator that the design demands a designer, but to truly know this designer, this creator, God, we need something more, and David gives us that something more in verse 7. And this is the thing that I asked you to look out for as Carly read. How does David describe God's word? And we can actually make a list here, and this list comes right out of our verses, God's word is perfect. God's word is reviving the soul, is trustworthy, is making wise the simple. God's word is right, is bringing joy, is clear, is giving insight. God's word is pure, is lasting forever, is true, is fair. God's word is more desirable than gold. God's word is sweeter than honey. God's word is a warning. God's word is a great reward. Get the idea that David's driving something here? David is driving his point, and that's why he is giving us at least 16 descriptors here. This is what God's word is. This is what God's word does. And now he is going to totally set us up as we move into verse 12. Verses 12 and 13. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? My hidden faults. My deliberate sins. This sin that so wants to control me. And David has just given us this list. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Hmm. I wonder. To jump to verse 14. This desire for David May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. Elsewhere in Scripture, it's actually in Luke six, we learn that our our actions, our words, they don't simply arise out of a vacuum, they come from someplace. They come from from what is happening, what is going on inside of us. They flow from our hearts. And so if we're going to put verse 14 to a question, I think that question is this. How do I safeguard my heart? How do I guide my heart? And David has just given us this list. How do I safeguard my heart? How do I guide my heart? Hmm, I wonder. See, what David is doing in Psalms 19 is he is commending God's word to you. David is not guilting you over your lack of time in scripture. David is not saying shame on you for not getting into God's word. Not at all. David is saying by giving you this list, David is saying look at everything that you are missing out on by not getting into God's word. And I hope that you are able to hear that this morning. With our list, let me see if if an illustration is helpful at all. As we navigate through life, it is easy for our disappointments and our struggles and our fears, our doubts, our sin to swamp us to feel like those things are swamping us, to feel like those things are pulling us under. And what David is doing in this list that he has just given to us, David is throwing us a life jacket. David is telling us in the face of, of our disappointments, our struggles, our fears, our doubts, our sins, that it is, it is God's word that, that revives the soul And God's word provides wisdom, and God's word brings joy. God's word gives insight. God's word is the thing that sets us on the path to freedom. It's in Psalms 19, David is begging you as you face your disappointments, your struggles, your fears, your doubt, your sin. David is begging us, grab the life jacket. Grab God's word. Don't be pulled under. David is begging us, please don't miss out on this because this is the thing that God's word does. God's word shows you how life is lived best. Right? You can literally see that in this list. This is the way to renewal. Renewal. This is the way to joy. This is the way to wisdom. This is the way to insight. This is the way to truth. God's word shows you God's beauty. Who he is, what he's like, what he's up to. We talked about that in detail last week as we looked at Psalm 95. God's word shows you your desperation that sin lurking in your heart, that sin that so wants to control you, God's word shows you the solution to your desperation. You need a rescuer. This morning, I'm simply going where Psalms 19 takes us. Not so much how to read scripture. We actually got that back in Psalm chapter one. We digest Scripture in the very same way that we eat a perfectly grilled ribeye steak. We break it down into bite sized pieces. We go slow with it. We savor it. We allow Scripture to have its full impact on us. So Psalms 19 doesn't necessarily chase after how to read Scripture, but it absolutely gives us the why to read Scripture. And for me, it's the same why that has totally transformed the way that I need to come to Scripture. I need to come to Scripture because I have to, because I need to. As a pastor, I get to talk to people who have made poor decisions and are experiencing the fallout and the consequences and the sharp edges of those decisions. And pretty much across the board, they will all tell me that leading up to those poor decisions, that these words, meaningful, consistent time with God's word, not on their radar at all. Patrick Morley says it this way. If we see our capacity to sin is decreasing over time, we have grossly misunderstood the gospel. Progress is seeing yourself as more sinful, not less sinful. It's understanding that sin is always crouching at your door. See, the gospel, how God has loved you through Jesus, a key understanding of the gospel is to recognize your need, recognize your desperation, recognize that you need Jesus in your life, moment by moment by moment by moment. Because as soon as you say in your life, man, I got this, it's my experience in my own life that you are in for a world of hurt. Because sin is always crouching at the door. The quote goes on, the devil is tempting us to underestimate the sinfulness of our sin, to think that we can manage our sins, and that's just one step from stupid. See, I realize in my own life that I am all the time that one step from stupid. And if I don't keep reminding myself, reminding my heart of God's beauty, his incredible love for me, my own desperation, if I don't keep dragging myself back to these words, my heart is going to wander. And so I need to be continually reminded of these Psalms 19 truths that this is what God's word is. That's for me. This morning I've asked Kim Hanselman to come and share why she needs to keep coming back to Scripture. How Scripture is a lifeline for her. Kim, Kim,
2: Notice I'm rushing up cuz I've got 3 minutes so I put it on paper. <laughs> this is exciting for me because I am a very relational person and the word is relational to me. If you think about for a few seconds how you get to know somebody. How do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them, right? The best way I know is just spending time with somebody. When my husband was in the Navy, we <laughs> he was gone a lot. And uh, we wrote a lot of letters, and then finally email came along, and we spent a lot of time writing emails. And, you know, I got to know him. I got to know his character. I got to know a lot more about him. Because sometimes we'll put on paper things that we have trouble saying. Well, I've gotten to know the Lord the same way. It's through his word. And the more I read, the more I understand his character. I understand his love. I understand what he thinks what he likes, what he doesn't like. It's all written in there, how he feels about things, what makes him sad. And painfully, the more I read, the more I see myself more clearly for the sinner that I am. Like Eve, I have questioned God's decisions before. Like David, I've gone from highs when I follow God's leading and you do something amazing and you see him working to lows when he didn't do what I thought he would do. I've grumbled like the children of Israel plenty of times. And I followed my husband like Sarah through 13 moves in 20 years with the Navy. The word is relevant to me. I read his word because it's relevant. I read because he talks to me through it. He shows me who I am and how much I need him, and it is a living conversation. The whole Bible from start to finish is a story about God's love and his plan to save us through his son. The whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is all about Jesus. Think about these things that the word tells you. At the end of Romans 8, it says that nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can separate us from his love. At the beginning of Psalm 139, it says that nothing can separate us from his presence. You're in his presence with love all the time. In Matthew 11, we're promised rest when we're exhausted. John 14 promises us peace. Nehemiah 8 promises joy as we know him. And 2 Peter, God says that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Like It leaves nothing out. Through knowing him, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Why do I read the Word? To know Him. I want to know Him. I want everything for life and godliness. I want joy, and I want peace. I want His presence. I want His love. Now, I'm not an organized person, if you know me. I can't pick the same time and place every day for my devotions. I never remember to mark off checklists. I usually lose them, and I've never been able to read my Bible every day at 6 a.m. for an hour and go, okay, now I've read the Word. I, um, what I do is I pray like I'm talking to a friend because I am. And I get into the Word to hear his side of the conversation because my dad said this is his voice. And I stay in the Word if I want to stay sane. And I'm not going to cry, but insanity follows quickly when we're out of the Word and when we don't know how much he loves us. So I read to know how to live. I read to know how to love like he loves And I read to be reminded that I'm loved. It means everything to me. I hope it means everything to you.
0: Thank you, Kim. I want to go to a prior slide. A point, God's word shows you the solution to your desperation. You need a rescuer. See, God's word tells us that God speaks to us through nature, absolutely through his word, this thing that we've been unpacking this morning, and ultimately through Jesus, our rescuer. One of my favorite lines from all the Bible comes out of a story in John chapter 6, and Jesus has just said some pretty tough things, and so a number of Christ's followers can't understand, and so They say, Jesus, we are out of here. If we jump in the story, it says at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and said, are you also going to leave? And then I love this next line. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words that give eternal life. See, The thing that ultimately makes these words beautiful is that these are words of life and they are words of life because they point to Christ. Jesus who died on the cross for you, that you might know forgiveness, that you might know his unconditional love, that you might have life, eternal life, forever life, but also real life in the here and now. These words that tell us about our triumphant, victorious king. Because in this jacked up, fallen world, in, in your brokenness, in, in the tendency for your own heart to wander in the face of an enemy who does want to destroy you, where else are you going to go? It's these words that point the way, that point the way to Jesus. In this same way, it's it's these words, to use our prior illustration, that these words are like that life jacket. In this jacked up, fallen world, in your brokenness, in the tendency for your own heart to wander, in the face of an enemy who wants to destroy you, don't get pulled under grab the life jacket grab god's word that will point you to Christ let's pray father in the same way that i open this conversation help us to not play the game to sit here and 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 say yeah god's word is awesome but not find a way to, to meaningfully find consistent time with you, whatever that looks like in your word. Give us a hunger. Give us a thirst that we will come to these words. Often that doesn't happen until we end up at the end of our rope. Give us a desire for these words that tell us about Jesus, this life-giving message about Christ. Give us a hunger for your truth that we would make your word a priority in our lives, that we would respond in surrender to what we see in your word, that your Holy Spirit would guide us in truth just like you promised We need that. We claim that for ourselves. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.